0: It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner.
1: Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Weekly 3 Edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Bourne. Each week, we look at sports topics locally, nationally. We got questions that people want to ask, and I hopefully have some answers, and uh, we'll have a laugh or two along the way. We continue to stay safe, social distancing, although the rest of the country decided to open up, and now coronavirus is spiking again everywhere but I'm still feeling good. I've played some golf. I've gotten out. Um, I'm assuming you're still doing fine, Rick, and uh, getting on with your life as, as, as is.
0: I'm doing well. I've, run, I've ran into a problem uh, caused by coronavirus here the last few weeks. Now, I don't have it or anything, but uh, the mask issue, right? And I'm not, I'm not arguing for wearing one or not wearing one. That's not my point here. You should definitely wear one if you're going out in public. But twice now, I have been out in public, And people have come up to me with their mask on and said, hi. And I think I know both of these people, but I have, I had no idea who they were in the moment. And like one of them, I'm pretty sure I I figured out who they were after the fact. And the other one, I still have no idea, but they approached me as like someone I I know. So I don't think it was like someone just randomly like saying hi. You just Um, couldn't tell. You just couldn't tell with the mask on. Right. I just, I mean like, I don't know about you but when someone in the past has rolled up on me in public with a mask on I'm a little bit disarmed I mean I'm not exactly uh, <laughs> you know I'm not myself my my usual charismatic friendly self as you well know uh, yeah very um,
1: yeah very, very yeah friendly. and
0: so I, I think I was kind of a jerk to two different people that I probably know so if you came up you said hi to me this week um, in public one of them was at Kroger um, the other one was at a gas station. I, I I'm sorry. I I feel bad about the interaction. I felt bad about it right after I did it. I was like, oh, I, I I must have known that person. But you know, I mean, immediately they're kind of like someone's just sort of like, hey, how's it going? And you're like, hey, good. Hey, I dude, mean, you don't know what to. You, just, yeah, you weird. do.
1: I I have a stock answer for that every time. It's an easy stock answer. It really is. When somebody you just aren't sure, they go, hey, how you doing? You just go, hey, chief. Pretty simple. Hey, chief. That's all yeah, it needs. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's I know a, you are a, You are good about that, but I guess yes, I was just more shocked of like, they were coming up to me, but I didn't know they were coming up to me. So then it was like this weird thing of like, I'm sort of like, why is this person walking towards me? And then they're like happy and like, hey, how's it going? And now I'm like, oh, uh-oh. Look the, the, good. The, the,
1: the, see, the good thing I about hate chief, I do hate chief. Yeah, that's, that's why I have the stocking. hey chief with a head nod. And then if you do recall who that person is, then you can maybe stop and c- continue to converse. If not, Hey, chief of the head nod as you're walking makes it seem like, yeah, I know who you are. I recognize you, but I'm in a hurry to go to my next place. I'm I'm walking into the store and I've got to be be on my way. So yeah, that's a disarming way. In fact, my, my my daughters have now said they they've picked out a name for when my uh my kids have have grandkids, um and and they looked online at what what different names are for grandmas and grandpas, you know, like pappy or pat yeah, I'm like, gonna I'm not going to be pappy. I'm not, I'm going to be chief.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> that's also you know our uh, our guy dan claskins um who I, I believe you know he yep. uh he called i believe his stepfather chief i always thought chief. that was kind yeah. of yeah
1: cool. no absolutely chief chief's a good disarming yet acknowledgement way to say say something so just just recall remember that the next time you see somebody you don't recognize hey chief hey buddy what's up man one of those yeah i yeah. think
0: I, I think i will have to adopt that yeah there you go yeah. <laughs> All right, Major uh, Skinny, this is going to be a baseball-heavy episode, which makes a lot of sense. As it
1: should be, yes. Yeah,
0: we, we are going to have baseball as it stands now. Major League Baseball will hold opening day either July 23rd or 24th, and players will head to training camps in a week after the league and the union on Tuesday agreed on health and safety protocols that will govern the sport as it attempts to return amid the coronavirus pandemic. After nearly three months of failed negotiations, it all came to an end with the league implementing a 60-game season that will run through September 27th and feature a number of new elements. Among those changes, teams will play their four divisional opponents 10 times in the other 20 games against interleague opponents in the same geographical area. The National League will use a designated hitter. In extra innings, teams will begin with a runner on second base. The trade deadline will be August 31st, less than a month before the regular season is scheduled to end. Rosters will start at 30 men for the first two weeks, then go to 28 for the next two weeks and stay at 26 for the remainder of the season. But teams will also have a taxi squad that allows them to have as many as 60 players available to play in major league games. There will be a COVID-19 injured list with no minimum or maximum length of time spent on it and the standard injured list stints will be for 10 days and the typical 60 day stint will instead be for 45. However, one thing that will remain the same is the sports 10 team playoff system that has been in place for almost a decade. Skinny, despite the players and owners failing to come to an agreement, what do you think of the 60 game season that we're left with now? I I
1: like it. I I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun. It's one of those a week ago, I went, eh, I don't know, but I, 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 you know, I think it's it's a, it's a sprint to the finish as opposed to what do we always hear about baseball, right? It's a marathon, not a sprint. Well, this is a sprint.
0: Um, Jed Demisio will be glad you said that. Not enough people are bringing that up.
1: <laughs> um, no, if that's what he said, he's right. I mean, because you hear that all the time. I mean, in this case, I mean, let's face it a lot of managers have their we used to call the Sparky Anderson Sunday lineup where he'd kind of roll out the subs on a Sunday after they'd been winning a bunch of games to get them some at bats and and uh and keep them fresh and you know you weren't tossing the towel for that day but it, you know you weren't playing your best guys
0: I be well, guess of that. what
1: you will be playing your best guys cuz literally every game is going to matter it can't be well yeah you know, it's just one of 162 one of 60 is a lot. I mean, you're going to be separated by ha- by a game here and there in a, in a lot of these races. So I, I like it. Um, you know, the rules we've already kind of known about, the D, the universal DH has been talked about uh, coming for some time. And if it wasn't coming this year, it might be coming in the next collective bargaining agreement. And I'm, you know me, I, I, I like the different rules for different leagues, but I, I guess I'm okay with it. I, I think you asked that question a few weeks ago, and I, I was wishy-washy on it because – I'm not going to stomp my foot and say I hate it. Um, right. If I had my choice, I'd rather it be different for different leagues. But that line's been blurred with interleague play anyway, so that that's kind of gone by the wayside. The, the runner on second base when to start extra innings, I understand it, I guess, because you're, you're, you're trying not to burn out pitching staffs and have 15, 16 inning games, and especially when you're not going to have a lot of days off either. Um, I think you're trying to play, what, 60 games in 66 days, and I'm sure there's going to be some doubleheaders Mixed in there as well, just to uh, to give maybe an extra day off here and there. Um, I, I'm that one doesn't thrill me for the most part because that's that's not baseball. Um, I heard somebody talking about it on a radio show on on Wednesday night. Um, who's seen this in action in the minor leagues and think about this, you, you could as a relief pitcher come into a game and not even I mean you could face literally well, you could face one batter in an inning and 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 get a loss without. Given up i guess a, a hit without even really putting a runner on base i mean think about this you could come in and get a ground out fly out strike out to end an inning and the ground out moves the guy up the run the, the sacrifice fly scores the run and yet you didn't put the guy on base so your your line is going to be one inning pitch zero hits one run one runner no walks no strikeouts no hit by pitch no nothing that, that seems weird to me
0: yeah and i saw um Some people talking on Twitter where this had been implemented at the minor league level, and they were saying what ends up happening is that pretty much everyone goes out, bunts the guy over to third, and then you try to get him home with a sacrifice fly into the outfield somewhere. And someone else responded with, yeah, but the way to look at this is it's kind of like college football. It's like, yes, you can do that. But that's kind of like kicking the field goal if you get the ball first, because the next team can now go ahead and swing away. And if they put two in, starting with that guy on second, you just lost the game.
1: Oh yeah, so I think the whole, I, I think do the kind whole of team. like
0: that strategy. It does add like, what are you going to do? Are you willing? Because if you because if you give up two outs right there with the guy starting on second you've you've ended your chances i mean you're only getting one run out of that inning more than likely right so i do think there is some some new strategy that's being implemented that goes hand in hand it's just like having the strategy of the dh in the game
1: yeah but again i to me that's not baseball though you don't start any other inning
0: with a runner on base you just don't um but there's all types of i mean we have so many silly rules in sports and, and baseball included i mean the dh is is one of those so i i have i have no issue with this and in fact i'm interested to see how teams will strategize around it
1: yeah i i will say it gives the home team a great advantage just like as you mentioned in college football it gives that that team that's on defense first in theory an advantage of hold them to a field goal we we know what we have to do we at least can tie it again with a field goal, but if we score a touchdown, we win. Or if you shut them out all together, then you play for the field goal. So same scenario here. If you somehow keep that runner stranded and he doesn't score in the top of the inning, then, yeah, you are playing micro ball to, to get that one run home. And, and you will see them probably, as you mentioned, bun a guy to third. Then it'll probably be intentional walk, intentional walk. Then we'll get the five-man infield, which is always fun to watch and see if they can come up with some kind of miracle play. But I, I, just, I just hate a rule where, like I said, if you're the relief pitcher, you come in and you're pitching like it be one inning – no hits, one run, one run earned, no walks, no strikeouts, no nothing else. You suffer a loss, and yet you didn't do anything other than get three outs. That that just seems foreign to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. It's going to be a change. There's no doubt about it. And Some of those no, new rules are going to change strategy on a micro level, but I'm really interested on a macro level. How is the 60 games going to impact the overall strategy being implemented by managers. Like for instance, will they change how they use a pitching staff? I've seen a lot of people throw out, well this is the time to go back to a four-man pitching rotation, use your best guys as much as possible because even if they're starting every fourth day and throwing a complete game, they're still only going to be at like 120 innings or whatever it is for Yeah,
1: this the, uh, well. you know, if you had if you had a five-man rotate, if, a, if you had a five-man rotation and everybody got a turn, they'd get 12 starts. Anymore, more, Rick? If a pitcher star goes six innings, right? That's probably max. So you're talking about 75 innings. If you went every fourth day, that's 15 starts, and you're probably still less than 100 innings. Um, I guess though, on the on the on the macro long-term level of that is does even that then punish a guy's arm heading into the following season and beyond, even though he didn't throw a lot of innings. He did throw a lot of innings in a short period of time. And that's the thing is it too much
0: too soon, especially with the shortened, you know, training, a weird training uh, season right here beforehand. Um, And, and like, I think you could get really creative. I mean, I, the, we can talk about it more with the Reds when we get into our, our next topic because I think there's some things you can do. But there's a lot of people saying things right now. I'm curious, will anybody actually be bold and and make some changes and, and try to do things differently here? Like, you know,
1: I, I think you'll see more teams try to do the Tampa Bay Rays start, uh, you know, the, the opener kind of a thing. I, I think when you have you have staffs and maybe you don't have like the Reds. I mean, the Reds. I think have five quality starters they can throw out there. But, you know, two years ago, they didn't. Um, obviously, Tampa didn't, and that's why they went to the opener. I think staffs that don't have that, you may see them go to the opener
0: every more game often. By committee.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe you have. You feel like, all right, we got two really good starters. Um, they're going to get a turn every fifth day. But other than that, we're going to use our bullpen the other two or three days. So, yeah, I, I do think there's going to be some interesting ways the teams are going to have to, to go about this, and we'll go about this
0: yeah i mean uh, from a standpoint of all the bickering and the back and forth i said it on on twitter the other day had they came to us and said we're not going to have baseball this year i basically would have shrugged my shoulders at this point like i just did not care about the back and forth anymore it really didn't make that much of a difference to me that being said and i said this in the tweet as well now that it's here i'm going to watch it i mean i i am excited that it's back it's still sports I normally don't bet on baseball, but in this occasion, we haven't had anything to watch for a while. I'm probably going to be betting on the Reds on some of these games and watching them. So I am definitely looking forward to this, and I think there are some unique aspects that will at least make this season memorable and something to talk about, even if uh, we don't like the way it all plays out.
1: Yeah, and that goes back to, to, yeah, I I think – for fans that, that are apathetic and were before, and I, I think I was in your camp, I would have shrugged my shoulders if baseball hadn't been played this year and gone, oh, okay, oh, well, well, I'll move on life will move on. Um, I think now if, if things go well, I think everybody's going to be excited to, to watch it. And, and especially in
0: your market, if your market does well, you're going to be rooting and happy for your team. Agreed. When it became clear MLB was headed for a 60-game season, Reds beat writer John Fay wrote a piece titled, A Shorter Season is Not Good News for the Cincinnati Reds. His main point is that the Reds' depth will not be as valuable with the truncated schedule. Quote, the club's strength is its starting rotation, Fay wrote. Over the big 162 of a typical season, a deep and strong rotation is the greatest asset for a club. The Reds also added offensive depth with the late signing of Nick Castellanos, adding the designated hitter lessens the depth, end quote. Skinny, are the Reds' chances better or worse in a shortened season with an expanded playoff field and different rules?
1: I, I, I get that to some degree with the rotation, but I think because of the designated hitter, that's where the depth is going to help them. Um, you know, I mentioned the, the different lineups you can use. I mean, against a left-hander. Um, you know, maybe you sit Joey Votto against the lefty and Castellanos plays first and Aquino plays right and Senzel plays center and Philip Irvin plays left. And, you know, you'd say, well, that, that maybe show goes hot. Okay. Then Shogo go DH is that day. I, I think it gives the Reds a great opportunity to add an extra bat in the lineup and, and, and for David Bell to really mix and match lineups analytically. I, I think this helps them a ton. I, I get the whole starting rotation thing that over 162 games and, you know, if, if again, if everybody made their start every fifth day, you'd have those guys making, you know, 32 starts apiece, and that probably would benefit the Reds overall. But it, I still think it benefits them in a short season that you're throwing out a good arm every fifth day. I, I don't know how that hurts them. And I think their bullpen is, is deep, and I think you're going to need a deep bullpen. I, I think they're really well situated for this. I, I'll disagree with John on, on, on the, the, the crux of that. I understand the rotation part, but from a lineup perspective, I think this helps them greatly.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, first of all, the designated hitter being implemented into to both leagues is obviously a, a nice play for the Reds. I mean, that is going to help them with their lineup because they had multiple guys where you don't really know the best option is. So the more of them that you can get in the lineup on a single day to kind of figure out who's hot and who's not, the better. Um, and, and from the pitching perspective – I actually think this is going to be really beneficial because there's a one you just have the, the more arms you have in this situation, the better off you're going to be because you're going to have more flexibility to do whatever you want. I even right. like the possibility of, and, and you know, having a guy like Trevor Bauer who is so regimented and, and so into the science of pitching and everything else, he may not be going for this. Guys may not want to change up their schedule this much, but I even like the possibility of what if you just say every, for every game, we're throwing out two of our starters. Every guy, right. each guy's goal is to pitch four strong innings and they're going every third day. You go Gray, Gray Castillo, Bauer, DeSclifani, and then Miley and Mailey. You m- make Maley a starter again. And you got like kind of a little six man rotation going on. I I think that's an idea that you could try out. No, hey, Rick, um,
1: to, cut, to cut you off, I wrote a piece on that about two years ago when the Reds didn't have a lot of quality pitching, when they were mixing and matching the Tyler Malleys of the world and, and those guys. And, um, you know, I looked at some analytics of this. Of you know, certain guys were really good for the first fifty pitches, or for the first two times through a lineup, and then you could see and go look at the analytics of after pitch fifty, or after pitch seventy-five, or after when they went the third time through the lineup, teams just belted them around. And I think to your idea, I think maybe for some of these guys, the analytics may show that that listen, man, you hit the sixty-fifth pitch, seventieth pitch, whatever third time through the lineup, you're just not as good. And so let's throw another arm out there who's the same way that, 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 you know, 50 pitches through, he's really good. And it may not be a starter. Maybe it's Pedro Stroke. Maybe it's Amir Garrett. Maybe it's Iglesias. And maybe it is a starting pitcher. I th- yeah, I do. I'm with you. I think there's a lot of ways you can do this if you read the numbers and read the tea leaves.
0: Right. And then, and then maybe if that's too radical and you need to be more conservative, more regular, then you go the four-starter rotation. You take a guy who I think everyone was saying, okay, that's a nice fifth starter you've added in Miley. And you make him a, a relief guy that can pitch all the time to help back up these starters, go long right. relief. There's a lot of options because of the Reds' depth. And I actually kind of feel like the one thing that this uh, the shortened season does is for a team that maybe is, is thought of as a, a stronger team but doesn't have quite the depth in the rotation, what happens if some, one of their top guys gets hurt or one of their, uh, or one of their guys slumps? who's supposed to be one of their stars. Now all of a sudden you've only got one or two guys at the top of your rotation that are any good? Like the Reds having multiple quality arms gives them a little more um, protection against someone slumping or getting hurt initially that could put you in a two- or three-week tailspin that could end your season.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's, that's exactly right. I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm i going to disagree with that. I, I, I appreciate John's thought behind it, but I, I, I don't I don't buy that.
0: Yeah, I'm, I think I, – and in fact, I, I think the, I'm looking forward to this season for the Reds strictly because of this is their best chance to really make some noise in the postseason that we've had since maybe the mid-90s or, or I guess maybe like the 2010 season.
1: Yeah, right. It, it, yeah, and, and I, I, this has been a season that we were looking forward to back in February and March, and now I, think, I think as a Reds fan, you look forward to it even more because this, this team, I think, is really well-positioned to do some good things.
0: Yeah. And I do think it'd be different if all the, if this lineup was like a proven juggernaut, you know, like everyone's acting like this lineup has been together doing these things for a while. We don't know that this Reds team is good. We're thinking they've done enough to put themselves in contention. So I'd rather take my chance that this team is good enough to get hot for a couple months, as opposed to they're going to be the best team in baseball for the next, uh, uh, you know, six months as it would stand in a normal season.
1: But I would say this, though. You do have proven players, right? I mean, Joe Biden sure. is a proven player. He's on the downside of his career, but he's a proven player. Mustakas is a proven player. We could argue, is he a step towards... Towards the end of his career, probably closer to that than he is in his prime, but Castellanos is entering, entering his prime. Um, you know, the Winker-Irvin duo, I'm telling you, you combine those two guys um, against righties and lefties the right way, and you've got a 900 OPS left fielder. That's pretty damn good. Suarez is just now, I mean, he's coming off a 49 home run year, entering his power prime. I mean, You've got proven players here. You're not you're – not, the thing is, for some teams, I can tell you there's some teams that are going, all right, we've got a couple of kids that we're really hoping, they haven't done it yet, we're really hoping, and maybe they pan out, but for the most part, if they don't, you don't have 40 games to find out, right? You don't have 200 at-bats to give them to find out. You need to know right away or else your season's over with.
0: Right. I'm, I agree with your point about the Reds and some of those guys being proven. But at the same time, this is a team that finished 16 games behind first place last year. No doubt so it's right. not it's not like they're proven to be a winner with this roster yet. And so, again, I take my chances with the fact that, hey, they've got some depth. We don't know how many of these guys are good, especially when you get into like the um, Senzels and Irvins and Winkers and, and all of that Um And honestly, the Suarez thing, the fact that you're going to have him pretty much healthy now because he had all that time to recover, I think that makes a big impact too. I just think I'd rather take my chance in a a more randomized season than uh, letting the chips fall over 162. So I, I am excited about this for the Reds uh skinny due to the shortened season and the fact that the results could be random many believe this year's baseball season will just be a blip that won't be too meaningful going forward however given the money and prospects spent by the reds over the last few years to build the current roster do you think the reds results this year are important for the future of the franchise i do because i do think there are still some angry people over this
1: right i think you and you can disagree with this if you want so jump in i also think there are still some apathetic people that that say, "Yeah, baseball's back. It's a sixty-game season. Eh. Um, yeah, they don't count me in." So, I think if you're the Reds, though, it, and, and you know this town well enough, if if the Reds contend over these two months and then make the playoffs, this town's getting excited, right? I think we can
0: agree with that. Correct? Oh, if they have success this year, I mean, they don't have to make the World Series or anything. I mean, they win a playoff series. Next year, Cincinnati is on fire for opening day, expecting to win it all.
1: Correct. All right. So let's 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 then flip it, flip the script. So let's say this team gets off to a bad start and it's just an unrecoverable start. It's a two and eight start that you just, yeah, you might recover it back to five, but you're just not going to recover enough. And the two and eight start then gets us into the middle of August. We have a preseason football game. Um and and or maybe if it's pushed back, the preseason football game is coming up, and we know there's going to be a regular season NFL. And at that point, Reds fans decide, I'm checking out. I wasn't always fully in anyway. I was kind of apathetic about this. You needed to catch my attention. You needed to grab my attention, and you didn't. And then we switched to football. And again, for argument's sake, football goes on, and Joe Burrow does what you hope Joe Burrow does. And while it's probably not going to be a playoff level, he does – He does everything you hoped he would do and and more. And so the excitement for the Bengals is there. And so the Reds, you lost interest. And then you lost interest, and then Trevor Bauer leaves as a free agent. And then Castellanos is allowed to opt out, and he chooses to opt out. And the Reds' financials are bad because they didn't have many fans in the stands. And, you know, they were already probably pushing the limit of finances. And then they have to basically swallow hard and say, okay, we're going to have to just go with the roster that we have. Um kind of hang with us fans and fans then gave up because of two and eight and because of apathy. And then 2021, there isn't much excitement and maybe the club isn't all that good because of the things I just mentioned. And then another labor stoppage looms. And you, you had enough of it as a Reds fan of the labor stuff the year before, and the team wasn't as good as you'd hoped. And the 2021 summer didn't go the way you would have wanted Um, I think then you really position yourself to to have a hard time recapturing the fan base in 2022 and beyond. So that's why I think, honestly, these two months of baseball – are really important for baseball in Cincinnati. You do well, you will capture the fan base's excitement. And even if Trevor Bauer then leaves as a free agent and at out, you will still be in because you saw what they did. And you know what? The hell with those guys. They're not part of this anyway. we still got good <laughs> players. So, no, I, I think these two months are important. Maybe that's an overreaction on my part, but I really don't think it is because this city will get behind the winner, understandably so. But if they're apathetic now and things don't go well, Boy, oh boy! I just, I, I, wonder what where the fan base goes moving forward.
0: You paint a pretty bleak picture there, my friend. That was that had me kind of depressed after our uh, sunshine and rainbows segment we had just completed, and then you Sorry. just lay the hammer down on us like that. No, but I, to an extent, I think you're right. Now, the the bigger concern is this all made me mute when they have a, another labor agreement or labor um, issue negotiation yeah. next year that they can't decide on. But I uh I think you're right. I think this does matter. I mean, look, if they win, there is no doubt that this matters for yes. the, the excitement of this city about baseball over the next couple of years. If they lose, man, you're talking about a couple of years where the the casual fan has really kind of been tuned out mm-hmm. for this team and you're entering again a potential labor argument where they don't play or they have a, another um holdout and if that happens yeah i mean like i i don't think the reds or, or baseball fans in cincinnati are going away anytime soon people will always tune back in once it's on but in terms of getting that casual fan to come to the ballpark and uh getting them to hang out at the banks before games and drink beers and then come into the stadium for the game um and, and do that multiple times per year i don't think you're going to have that happen uh, if, if things go bad this year now You know, there's a lot of variables in there, especially with the pandemic. But I don't think it's an an overreaction, especially with the way this city's fan base tends to react.
1: Yeah, no, and that's why I said that's why, again, it feels like an overreaction to say what I said. But my point is, these, honestly, maybe the first two weeks are as important as anything else. Get off to a good start, get your fan base hooked, make sure they stay engaged for the rest of it because you're in the race and then maybe make the playoffs. But if not, and football is here, and we're going to play football, night-night, you're, you're tuning it out, right? I mean, you t- fans really in this city tune it out anyway come you know August and, and, and September because of of football, both college and pro. And if we have that and they don't get off to a good start, you're going to have fans go, eh, you know what? I was hoping you'd do something you didn't. See you later. Um, yeah, I mean, but, honestly,
0: I'll be, I'll be in that boat. Oh, I well. I,
1: I, I, no, and I think, I think most fans will be, and I understand it. And so that's what I'm saying. Get off to a good start. You better do it and and, and get your fan base hooked because they will be hooked. And if not, they'll they'll go goodbye.
0: I mean, because there's going to be NBA and NFL all returning along with other stuff. There's going to be a lot to watch. And for me, baseball is just the lowest on that list, mostly because if the Reds aren't good, I'm not watching every night and correct uh, yeah
1: right nobody with, is anymore this is a re- it's a regional sport rick i mean nobody is so and that's, the,
0: that's the way to follow baseball you want to follow your team over right. the course of the entire season i get that that's the that's the best way to enjoy it and when your team's just not in contention for an extended period of time it, it makes it tough to follow so i'm, I'm right there with the, the casual fan who, who's going to be tuning out here um if the reds start off and they're out of it after the first three weeks of the season and the nba is in full swing
1: a lot of pressure on them though
0: yeah but i but again I, I think this is the uh the one time where they should feel like they have no pressure they're kind of a, an underdog with a, a fairly stacked lineup that's set up well and there's a, a lot of other teams dealing with the same issues who, who it could impact even worse yeah no doubt all right skinny one thing the 60 game season does is add to the historical arguments for baseball nerds uh, I want to ask you, will you view the MLB champion as legitimate? What about any awards won or records set? If someone hits 400 or sets an ERA record or or wins the MVP, do, do those things count? Do you count them as legitimate? I, I count the MVP and,
1: and Cy Young and Rookie of the Year and and, and the champion as legit because this is the season you've been dealt. The other numbers, though, I, I guess I don't. I mean, 400... To me, it should be over 162-game season because that's the benchmark. Um, I I hate the use of the asterisk. I just don't – it'll come with an asterisk and maybe multiple asterisks. Uh, I, I I guess I would not consider if somebody hit 400 in a 60 game season legit. I would still consider Ted Williams to be the last player to hit 400. Uh, I would still consider ERA wise if somebody's ERA was under Bob Gibson's 1.12 in 1968. I would uh, I would not consider that the record. I would still consider Bob Gibson the, the benchmark. But all the other things, I mean, the individual honors like MVP and that, and 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 a world champion. Yeah, I think those are legit. The 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 numbers ones, I'm sorry. I'm
0: just – I'm I'm not. I mean, I think I'm with you that it's just going to be hard to see anything in terms of a new record. And by the way, it's only a few things like that, like the ERA right, or right, the batting right. average. I mean, no one's going to be able to compile enough stats to – set any uh counting statistic
1: nobody's hitting 75 home runs in a not even Barry Bonds would hit 75 home runs in a 60 game season
0: yeah or or anything crazy like that so I mean we're talking about a a very few number of things that could be affected here but I'm with you I just don't think it'll it'll stand up it will very much be an asterisk type situation but that being said I don't think we really have to worry about it because of the era of baseball that we're in. Like even in a shortened season, I don't think there's the possibility that anyone's going to hit 400 in this era of baseball. It's just not how the game is played.
1: No, but but you could have, and I think it was was it last year? Jacob Degrom through what 60 games had an ERA of .93, something like that. That one, more possible. Yeah, that one you, yeah, you could flirt with a little bit. I do think this though. I, I you know if somebody hits 420. They're the batting champion for 2020. Um, they just, in my opinion, aren't the record holder. If Jacob DeGrom or whoever, whatever pitcher, has an ERA of 0.99, they're the ERA champion for, for, for 2020. They just, in my mind, are not the all-time record holder in that category. So, and, and you're right, I think it'll end up being a moot point because I think you're right. I don't think anybody hits 400. I do think somebody could flirt with the sub-1 ERA, but I, I still rather doubt that too.
0: Yeah, I just I would hate to be in the negotiations when these players are going to arbitration or trying to to sign in free agency, and you know it's like it's some guy who is a good player, but certainly not an MVP caliber player, and he won the MVP over a sixty game season. But that's a good point. And now he wants MVP money. You know, I mean, that's like great that. leverage, right? Right. It's great leverage, but also I'm sure the teams are very much coming back with well. How legitimate is that MVP over 60 games? You know, you got hot for for a month. Um, I that that's something that I'm really going to be interested in seeing how it goes for forward. So, uh, skinny, let's play a little over under MLB edition. How about that? Love it. Love those. All right. All right, a 60 game season. Uh, over under 31 and a half wins for the Reds in this 60 game season.
1: Yeah. Now this is funny to me. And correct me if I'm wrong. Was it 80? What, what was what was the Vegas total for 162 games, Rick? 83.
0: That sounds right. I can't remember. Okay, that. maybe so eighty-three is, and a half.
1: Yeah. So this is about the prorated number. Um, I, I think I'm going over. I think this is an above five hundred team, and and honestly, thirty-one and a half is technically a thirty-two and twenty-eight team. I think this team is better than that. I, I that that's barely scratching over five hundred. So I'm I'm going over, and I think honestly I'm going over with confidence.
0: Yeah, I feel pretty good about over two. I mean, unless basically, if you feel good about this team at all you think they're over 500, and that's that's what this is asking you, essentially. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, I feel really good about saying over 31.5. Over under 40.5 wins for the team with the best record during the regular season this year.
1: I think I'm going over only because I, I don't think the good teams are going to be able to take days off, if you will, and, and rest guys. I think they're going to play their best guys almost every single day that they can play them. Yeah, you're going to have to give a guy a day off here and there, but not like – over the course of 162 where that starts to add up. Um, I mean, I could see the Mets or the Dodgers, or excuse me, the, the Yankees or the Dodgers, I could conceivably see them winning 45 games, something along those lines. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think I think somebody goes over 40 wins.
0: Yeah, I definitely would not actually bet this number. I would not bet the over. But that being said, if you're asking me, do I think at least one team will get to 41 wins? Yeah, I I kind of do. I mean, 41 and 19 seems like a, a very attainable, Uh, record for a team that gets hot but I'm I'm not betting on that because I could very easily see a situation where everyone you know in terms of the best teams are all kind of right around that 40 and 20 mark um, and they're really kind of battling it out during those last few games and and again in that shortened season you're I don't think there's going to be as much opportunity for the top teams to separate themselves because everybody is still in contention and everybody is taking every game so seriously.
1: Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I, I think I'm with you. I'm not sure I bet it because I, I will say the the evenness of the schedule yet unevenness of the schedule kind of works, works against some of these teams. I mean, for the Yankees, they're going to play, you know, 10 of their um, 60 games against the Red Sox and 10 of their 60 games against – uh, Tampa and the Dodgers are going to play 10 of their 60 games against a really good Arizona team and 10 of their 60 games against, um, you know, what what should be a a pretty good, you know, San Diego team. So you you look at some of the schedules for some of those, and and that maybe gives you the pause of, yeah, they're really good, but they're also playing really good teams multiple times in their division as opposed to other weaker teams outside their division. So maybe, maybe that works against them, but I, I do think Man, I think a team can get so hot that you're going to look up and go, "Man, 45 and 15." Yeah, that would probably even itself out to 105 wins in the regular season over 162. But 45 and 15 or 44, let's go 44 and 16. That's a 22 and eight month. That's 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 attainable for some teams. Yeah, that's attainable for some teams. So, yeah, I, I I think. I think I'll go over, but I think I'm with you. I'm not betting the over. I'm betting the Reds over with confidence. I think I'm going to pass
0: on this one. Yeah, I would too. Over under 355 is the highest batting average this year. I'll go over. I think somebody gets
1: hot enough to get it to the 370s, 380s, and even, honestly, even flirt with 400.
0: I will say, last time a player hit over 350 was josh hamilton in 2010 at 359 for a full season of uh
1: yeah but that's over 162 i mean we're talking about a guy getting hot for two months and that's the that's the great thing about the big 162 right is we always look at a guy like a Kino last year right a guy was hot for six weeks you can get hot for six weeks you can get hot for two months that doesn't mean that, that even though you finish this year at 385 that over 162 you'd have even finished over 330 but guys get hot for two months and i, I think somebody gets hot enough to go over that mark
0: I I don't see it. I'm going under. I think even with the shortened season, someone will be hot, but I don't see them going over 355. I think they're going to be right around 350, Mark, if I had to guess, similar to where, you know, I mean, the the leader is uh, the last few years is usually around like 345-ish, I think. So um, I don't think it'll be much higher than that, to be honest. Okay. Over under 20 home runs for the league's leader in dingers.
1: I'm going over and I'm going over with some level of confidence. That's, that's a guy averaging 10 home runs for two months. Yeah. I think, I think multiple guys go over 20.
0: I do too. And and we've seen, um, because that's
1: baseball today as well.
0: Yeah. I think, I think I saw in an article on ESPN that there have been five guys over the last uh, maybe it was two or three seasons that had started the year over the first 60 games with over 20 home runs. Um, and so I think that's, that's definitely possible that that happens again. I mean, especially when you're talking about, like, the Aaron Judges and, I mean, even Eugenio Suarez. He could, he's definitely the type of guy that for two months could get on a streak where he easily pops out over 20 home runs. So I'm with you. I'd, I'd be very confident betting that number.
1: Yeah, because I, I think there's multiple guys that can do it. So, yes, absolutely. The lead, when I think multiple guys can do it, I sure as hell think
0: one guy can do it. Yeah. Over under seven wins for the league's pitcher with the best record.
1: All right, so I mentioned, um, you know, if you have a five-man rotation, which almost everybody has, and you probably, Rick, I, I, you know, we talked about different ways to do this, but let's just play this out a little bit. I think most teams will stick with that five-man rotation rotation. Um, because you're not going to have a lot of days off either, and, and you're not going to bring many guys back on three days rest. So let's just say 12 starts, maybe a guy squeezes a 13th or 14th start out of this season. And with the way starters don't go deep into games, I mean, we anymore it feels like if a guy wins 15 games, he's won a lot, and that's over 162. I'm, I think one guy can, if you're asking me if one guy can do it, yeah, I think one guy will do it. I don't think many will do it, and I wouldn't touch the bet.
0: Yeah, I'm going under here. I think seven is actually the number that probably wins it. I just find it hard to believe, especially if you're not letting these guys go deep into games for their first several starts, that they're going to – I can't see them winning over seven games in, well, in again, 12 if you're, or if, 13 starts.
1: Yeah, if you're making 12 starts, um, arguably how many decisions are you going to have in those that's 12 starts? If, if you're going to have eight or nine decisions – are you going to go eight and one, nine and zero? Oh? Yeah, you have to be perfect. I still think some one guy does it, but I'm with you. I don't think I'd bet it.
0: It's possible, but I think the number seven is what will be the leader. I think there will be multiple guys with seven. I don't know if anybody gets to eight, so um, I, I think that's a push at best. I would bet the under if I was if I was going to bet that.
1: I'd bet the over because I just think one guy can do it. Someone's going to just get hot and 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 reel off a bunch of wins or some. Some reliever is going to be the vulture of vultures and steal a bunch of of wins somehow. Um, I think one guy does it, but I wouldn't be
0: comfortable betting that number either. All right. Skinny, as college athletes return to campuses and pro athletes start training camps and sports try to make a comeback in general, there have been a bunch of positive tests for COVID-19 across the country. The PGA has already implemented new safety protocols and other leagues are assessing the situation and how to proceed going forward. Based on what we've seen so far, do you think the decision to return to sports was made too early?
1: I don't, and, and I know this is going to sound probably counter, and you're gonna, I can feel you probably disagreeing with this entirely. I think the fact that we're hearing all these positive tests is actually a good thing um, because I also hear all these positive tests, and yet then I don't hear – hospitalizations i don't hear death i don't want to hear death i don't want one person to die from this um but people have been in the age range that we're talking about they just haven't been they either test positive or or have symptoms but i haven't heard it be a severe case yet and maybe i'm naive maybe i haven't heard everything i I think this is a this is honestly a good thing because the more you hear this and the more either players recover from it never get never get symptoms of it. Or or never hospitalized because of it, and again, God forbid that would happen. I think the more you have to go, hey, let's just do this. I mean, we're going to have positive tests, but you know what? We're going to make make it through this. Let's let's do this thing. So to me, I I I I think it's a good thing. Um, I I know I'm probably on the opposite side because I can guarantee somebody right now listening is screaming, "What if it's your child who dies?" I'd be mortified. But there's a lot of risks you take in life, and. Um, if if I feel like you're you're taking a calculated risk that 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 yeah if you catch this nothing bad is going to happen to you in that age range and demographic, then I say let's do this thing. I you know I I I know I'm probably on an island with this, but I don't think sports did open too early. I I think that we're hearing these positive tests. I honestly think it's a good thing.
0: I don't I don't think you are. I, in fact, I think a lot of sports kind of waited until the last possible moment that they could until it was just going to be a matter of okay, are we really doing, I mean, are we shutting down our entire economy and basically ending everything for an entire year? I mean, like, basically that was the decision that it faced because uh, most of the sports were to the point where it's like, if we don't get started again and get these things going, we're done. It's, It's over for now and for the foreseeable future so that they all put it off as long as they could and i'm with you if you didn't think there were going to be positive tests coming back yeah you're not I mean, you're an idiot i mean yeah, right, like what right. first of all the number of tests like the percentage of people that are testing positive is actually much smaller than i expected to begin with i thought i thought there would be a lot more asymptomatic people that that were carrying it and just didn't know um Second of all, that's the other part of it. A lot of these sound like they're asymptomatic. They don't right, even, really right. even have the symptoms. And to your point, we mentioned this on last week's podcast. I brought up Von Miller, a guy who has um, asthma, I believe, and, and they were really yes. worried when he got it. Didn't seem to be too affected. And like, again, I'm not saying it's not dangerous. I'm not saying we shouldn't protect people and take all precautions. But in this age range, I mean, it's it's mortifying to think some a young athlete who has a multi-million dollar future ahead of them would get this disease. It destroys their lungs, and now they can never uh, breathe enough again to to play at a high enough level. Like that would be the worst thing ever. I agree. It's it's really terrible. But there, so far, we don't really have any evidence of that happening to our elite athletes. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying it couldn't. We we don't know a lot of things about this, and that's scary. But you also take the risk of blowing out your ACL or yes, getting a, yeah. a, a paralysis or all these other things. When you're playing a sport like football, I mean, ask the players who are putting their lives on the line each week when they go out and play, I imagine they're going to want to go ahead and risk the coronavirus too to get those, those million dollar paychecks. So now, now I, I, will you. Say, I think it's a good thing.
1: Yeah. I, I will say this about college athletes though. and And I think this should be clear from, from all schools. That if you have a, a a player who is who is fearful of this, and that it, there's probably going to be some, and he chooses to redshirt, I think you have to honor that. I, I do. If he chooses, look, coach, I, I'm just not comfortable. I'm just not comfortable doing this. Um, I, I don't want to take it back to my my parents, whatever. I just this is I, this is against what I want to do. I think you should let that person redshirt.
0: Of course, and I think any sh- anyone should be allowed to transfer um, back home if they don't feel safe going away to college now. Like, yes. I think all of that stuff is, is uh, within bounds. And I think the same thing, like a lot of leagues have said, you know, it won't be held against players if they, uh, if they decide to stay home because of, um, because of their concerns about the coronavirus, and some players but, have made that decision, and that's right, and, it, and that's fine, but guess what? You're not going to get paid. Yeah, or, or they you know, have the, come to certain agreements with them, settlements with them, and, and that's that's good too. Like I, I I think you should do whatever you can as the league to you know if, if a guy has like um, pre-existing existing conditions, conditions yeah, 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 you you got to take that seriously. So and they should, and I think most leagues they're still getting paid if they have any type of pre-existing conditions or or uh, family concerns or anything like
1: that. Yeah, I don't know. Did you see if Trevor Reeves get? I don't think he, I think he's foregoing all his money, right?
0: I think he is, and he's just basically making the decision for himself, right? Yes, that wasn't a thing where he, he was told by doctors or anything that he shouldn't be playing. So um, everyone's got to make their own decision, and that's fine, but I do not have any issue with the league coming back. I don't think this is too soon. I think this was kind of like, for most leagues, the last possible moment that you could do it without shutting down for a while.
1: Yeah, and, and, and golf is an example. Um, it, it was one of the first ones. Obviously, NASCAR came back, and, and then golf, and golf now we've had it this will be week number three um, of tournament returns and you had five different players have to pull out this week some big names brooks kepka webb simpson did it voluntarily he doesn't have symptoms he just chose to to, to step aside because he was around some people that, that had it um and i thought the commissioner of, of the pga tour made a legitimate point that hey we knew some guys are going to test positive we're not you know we, we decided we can't shut down because of that but i think at the same time you see players and i thought brooks kepka made a great comment he said listen he doesn't have it. His caddy does, or his caddy actually tested positive, and he said it's up to us each week when they give us these tests. If somebody tests positive, get away from everybody else, and I think that's the way you have to treat Of Listen, we're going to do what's best for all of us, and what's best for all of us is for me this week to not play. I don't have it, but my caddy did. I was around a guy who had it, so I'm going to pull out just so I can't expose you guys, and maybe in next week it's somebody else, and so you just have to grit your teeth and, and, and plow through it. And I think the PGA tour is showing that.
0: Well, and that's the other thing that has kind of uh, been a positive sign to me. Look, I know the whole point of this is they are testing ahead of time and quarantining. If, if there's any positive tests, but there's still a lot of people coming back to the same spot and, who knows, you know, exactly how we, there, there's an incubation period about this disease that we know about. And we don't know how long that lasts. So there could be people getting tested. They already have it, but they weren't showing it and all that other stuff. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how to explain it all, but more or less, I'm impressed by the fact that yes, there are some positive cases, but it's not like, it's not spreading like wildfire at right. these sites where people are returning to, you know, like one or Two people have it, but everyone else seems to be okay and they are not coming down with it in the, the next few days. So the fact that we seem to be doing a decent job of legitimately quarantining these people and, and keeping it, it contained is is a really good sign, I think.
1: Have you seen and I was reading the piece about the PGA guys? They're 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 wearing some kind of like band that tests um, I guess, different different things in them. Um and oh, one like that, their
0: vitals and their temperature yeah, or something. That I guess. that's
1: how yeah that's how Nick Watney last week I guess on on Friday it it showed him having uh, some issues uh, respiratorily that he was having a harder time. It was showing he's having a harder time breathing or whatever or. or Uh, maybe he didn't notice that, but, but the, the band did, and that's how he decided to get a test again for it. And that's where he came down with it and uh, pulled himself out of that tournament. Uh, And I think all the players on the tour, maybe, maybe these bands or or every sport needs something like that. Um, If, if it helps just, just to know as things are going that, Hey, I don't feel bad, but this band's telling me something ain't right with me. Take a look. And and that, that hopefully stops the spread of it. So that's the other part. Hopefully as we get along, get a little bit more technologically savvy with it. And the closer we get towards a vaccine, um, we just keep plowing through.
0: Yeah. And there's been so much stuff like that technology-wise. I mean, there's all types of monitoring going on um, in, in both the professional and the college ranks with like coaches tracking how much their players sleep for instance they made them wear you know bands that are tracking their sleeping all types of stuff like that so uh that's not entirely new concept but i hadn't seen that specifically to the, the pga tour and and i think there's plenty of stuff out that out there like that that they can use to help keep the, the players safe so uh skinny before we get into our ask Skinny anything segment i did want to ask you about a former partner of yours that is in the news uh, multiple individuals defrauded in a scheme perpetrated by ex- oh, Ohio boy. state and F and NFL quarterback art Schliester and his accomplice are asking for money from the former player's share of a national concussion settlement Schlester is currently serving a nearly 11 year sentence on federal fraud charges skinny do you have any good art Schliester stories for us
1: oh boy um <laughs> yeah
0: I got two actually
1: um <laughs> good So, uh, back in the early 90s, Art came to Cincinnati, and this is for those that maybe don't know, he was a great quarterback at Ohio State. Ohio State fans certainly will remember Art Schleister. Um, But for the younger folks listening, he was a a great quarterback at Ohio State, uh, a high draft pick of the Indianapolis Colts, uh, maybe even the Baltimore Colts at that time, then moved to Indy. And um, his career in the NFL flamed out because, A, he wasn't as good as he should have been or expected to be, and he had a bad gambling problem, then was eventually banned from the league. So he we went and played in the arena league for a team in Detroit and then came and played for a team here in Cincinnati. They had an arena football team back in the early nineties called the Cincinnati Rockers. And I was working at the Cincinnati post then. And I was the, the, the beat guy for the first summer of that team's existence first spring summer of that team's existence. And so, um, and I also, the relationship with art then um, we kind of developed that through me covering the team. And then I started doing a, a once a week fantasy sports talk show on the first sports talk station in the market. Um, Old WSAI thirteen sixty, Art then ended up getting a drive time show, and then we ended up partnering up on a show on on Sundays out at Arnie's in Fairfield, which will lead me to the second part of this story. So the huh. first part of the story is is they're playing a, a playoff game in Detroit the first year, and that's where Art uh, originally quarterbacked, and. um, Art just got the bejesus beat out of him. And um, I I, I go into the locker room to get quotes. Fran Kersey was the head coach, the old Kentucky coach. Got done with Fran. I said, where's Art? I said, he's not in the locker room. He goes, he's in the training room. He goes, he ain't right. And that's all he said to me. And I just kind of went in there. And Art is rocking back and forth, sitting on a kind of a training table. And I asked him a question. I could tell he's out of it. And finally, one of the doctors came in. And you can imagine the medical people in the arena football league weren't exactly highfalutin and they pretty much quickly diagnosed that Art had a concussion and decided that he should stay in Detroit overnight and not travel back to Cincinnati. Well, Art somehow cognizantly knew what they were talking about, and he said, no, I have to go home tonight. They said, no, man, you you shouldn't travel. Um, It's probably not safe. I don't care. I ain't staying here tonight. I ain't staying here. Well, I come to find out that apparently there was a contract on Art's life in Detroit because he had defrauded people there um, to make – To backtrack a second, when he played in Detroit, the guy that owned the Detroit Arena League team, Mike Illich, who's the founder of Little Caesars Pizza, also owned the Detroit Red Wings and the Tigers. And Art, I guess, as part of his contract, he had a personal services contract with Mike Illich, um, and part of it was he got four season tickets to Red Wings. But what he did was he resold those four season tickets multiple times over. And what I mean by that is, for let's say a game with the Rangers, he sold four tickets to Rick Broering and he sold four tickets to Richard Skinner and he sold four tickets to Jim Smith and he sold four tickets to whatever. And nice. po- yeah, pocketed the money for, from all of that. And well, I guess it pissed somebody off enough to put a hit out on him. And so he decided I better get in my car, or get, get, get out of Detroit and, and go back home. So I, I thought, wow, this guy's in some, some stuff, but anyway, so we did still the hell relationship. So we were doing a radio show. This was my own personal greed and shame on me. So each week we do the show out at Arnie's, he'd give me a hundred dollars cash. And um, that was kind of the deal. Our show, sit around with some people. I got to meet some actually people that became friends. So it was actually a a cool experience. So about five or six weeks in, he calls me up one day and he says, uh, Hey, I need a favor, which I knew. I I knew of Art's past. I knew that he had taken some money from people and he was a hard guy to get money back from. But of course I didn't think it would happen to me. Right. I was that guy. He's not going to do this to me. So he calls me and says, Hey, I got a check for four grand. He goes, "Can you cash it? Keep a thousand for yourself and give me three thousand back?" I'm like, sure, okay, I'll do that. Well, as you can imagine, the check went bad, and of course, I cashed the check. We we were building a house. It's the house I'm living in now. We were building a house at the time. This was uh, 1993. We were building a house, and we had uh, we were going to close, and so we had taken money from savings into our checking account. I cashed that check against the checking account, and guess who's on the hook for that check oh, at that point?
0: Oh no!
1: Okay. Well, fast forward. Of course, wife's not happy with me whatsoever. You don't uh, say. Well, because of course I was trying to take that thousand dollars for myself without anybody knowing. And so that was going to be my money. Nobody right. else's money, right? Yeah. So you so, didn't tell her that. <laughs> yeah. Didn't tell her that part. So I had to fess up That here's what happened. Well, not too pleased. And she <laughs> said, well, get you, you're gonna get the money back. So I was doing a Saturday morning show at the time with another guy um, in addition to this. And so, I go in on a Saturday morning and uh, I talked to Art on Friday. I said, hey, man, I got to have that money tomorrow. I don't, and I knew he's going to have to beg, borrow, and steal from somebody to get it. But I'm like, I got to have that money tomorrow. I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm a dead man. So Saturday, I'll be there. I'll be there. Saturday comes, never, never hear from him. About midweek now. Now it's getting close to it because we need that money back in the checking account. And so finally, I call him, tells me he's going to show up, doesn't. And at that point, the wife got involved. So she calls him up, calls him about every name in the book. Threatens him that she's going to the FBI, which we had a friend of mine whose dad was an FBI agent. Um, He wasn't a field agent. He was really kind of a communications guy. But she threatened him with that and said, you got one day. You're going to see him tomorrow. I want the $3,000 in cash back. Sure enough, here he comes rolling in in sweatpants with a big wad in his pocket, slaps it down on the table, says it's all there. I promise you. Dude, he did. He gave me $3,000 in fives, tens, and twenties. I have no idea where it came from to this day. I really don't care where it came from to this day, <laughs> but I got my three grand back. I will tell you that. I am I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones. Can you imagine a wad of three grand in fives, tens, and twenties?
0: Well, we're past the statute of limitations, so I think you're good on that. Although, I, yeah, I don't yeah. think at the time it was probably wise to accept that money. Well,
1: probably not, but uh, yeah. You I, needed uh, it. I needed it, yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, also, I, I guess they just didn't quite watch bank accounts in the same way back then. You could just roll nope. up and deposit $3,000 in cash into your uh, checking and be okay to <laughs> buy a house the next day. Correct. Fives, tens, and twenties. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is pretty good. I wasn't expecting you to be a, in part of one of his fraud schemes. So. Oh, yeah.
1: And I, like I said, I feel like I'm one of the fortunate ones. He
0: this, boy, How he, was he, he as a partner? Like what type of rate? He was great.
1: The worst, he, was, he was fantastic at it. He, he would have been... He would have been doing this 30 years. He would have been doing this still today. He was so good at it. And part of it was, was the gambling. He was, the gambling had him so in tune with sports that he knew every nuance of every player in every sport, basically, because uh, he was so hooked on it, but he was, he had a great delivery. He had a great personality. I mean, that's why he was able to defraud people. He could befriend you like nobody's business. Um, I actually don't think he was a bad guy. I think he got so deep into this that he never was able to get himself out of it and still to this day is not able to get himself out of it clearly um but uh yeah i mean i know some people saying he he defrauded some radio listeners um i know one guy that also he did get his money back but there weren't very many of them
0: yeah well shout out to you for getting your money back from arch Schleister,
1: no doubt but we should
0: make you a shirt that (laughs) that says you survived the Schleister."
1: Actually, i the Schleeser fraud.
0: Yeah, how about that? All right, time for some Ask Skinny Anything. Uh, and we will start off with, what is the appropriate time to start shooting off fireworks prior to the 4th of July? When is it too early? Does Skinny find it all loud and annoying? Yes yes I I hate fireworks I hate them with a passion. <laughs> I don't mind them on the
1: 4th. I, I I would I I like going to that Riverbend Pops concert usually where they shoot off the fireworks. I liked the the uh, the WEBN fireworks just because of the tradition of the party of it. Um not as much anymore. We used to go to a, I we had friends whose mom and dad lived in Park Hills literally overlooking the cut in the hill and they would have a party every year. I mean you couldn't ask for a better venue. You yeah, weren't ain't nobody doing big that this mix. year. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Um, they, they don't have that house any longer, but but up until hell seven, eight years ago, we would go over there for the fireworks. I, I'm not going downtown for it. I don't watch them on TV. Um and yeah, in the neighborhood when people just randomly shoot them off days ahead of time. No. And and maybe it's part of it. Is I got a couple of dogs that get spooked by it. And I'm guarantee I'm not the only one that has dogs that get spooked by it. And then again, what is the freaking point? If somebody can tell me what the point is, uh, it's fun. What it's fun to make a loud noise for no good reason, it's stupid. I was, how about this? I was, I, I almost, I almost got into it with a neighbor down the street a couple of Saturdays ago. I'm oh there, boy! I'm, I'm sitting there in my front yard, minding my own business. I'm, I'm, i doing some landscaping stuff and it was a hot day, but, but I was enjoying myself it Was you know, outside in the fresh air, getting some stuff done. All of a sudden I hear this kaboom. Some dudes had come back from like a fishing trip or something. I don't know what they were using, but they decided just to fire off a random M80 in the middle of the street. I'm like, what what and I, I asked, what was the point of that? <laughs> I, what what was their answer? They didn't have one. Oh. They're just laughing. I'm like, yeah, idiots. I'm shocked. I, yeah, I whoever asked I no, I no, I, I am I am anti-firework guy other than Fourth of July and, and W E B N and even then I, I find them fairly annoying because the problem is people start shooting them off at like three in the afternoon and it's still going on at two o'clock in the morning. There should, yeah. statu- there should be a noise ordinance. You get to shoot them off between 8 and 8.07,
0: well, and then you're done. Well, I, I think there is some type of noise ordinance. I just don't think anyone's going to, to follow that. Yeah, um, yeah it really, I'm not old enough to the point that I, I, it bothers me, but at the same time, yeah, I, I really don't understand the point either. Um, fortunately, our dog does not get spooked by them, but we are on a street where I'd say 40 – honestly, it might be 50% or higher of the houses have dogs – and it's hilarious. You people have been shooting off fireworks all week. You hear one bang, and then you just hear barking oh, no. all up and down the street.
1: Well, well, we we live there's a there's a farm back at the end of our neighborhood, and I don't know if the guy does skeet shooting or just shooting for general purposes, but occasionally you'll hear a shotgun go off. Um, and it's I mean it's been forever that they do it. It's almost the point where I tuned it out, but um, occasionally you know I, I like to sit outside. Last night was a perfect night to sit outside and do some work and just enjoy a nice night. And um I heard the gun go off at like probably 9 fifteen and all of a sudden you just heard it. It almost like it was a trickle down effect. You heard one bark into two barks into three barks. It was almost like a chain reaction of barks went off and then it stops, and then all of a sudden, ten minutes later, kaboom, and then you yeah. heard again, the chain reaction of barks start again. I, I did find that kind of humorous, but it's like what what? what then with what's the point?
0: I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one, I got to say. All right, uh, what part of a ballpark is your favorite place to watch a live game? First or third baseline, behind home plate, outfield, et cetera?
1: I love um, either the right field um, – right field – bleacher area or the moon sun deck in left field that that to me is the best because it, it's just cool to watch the ball and a fly ball come isn't at you, that right? the
0: opposite isn't the bleachers in left field and the moon deck in right field
1: whatever it's the, it's the flip okay. side i like i like either one of those i i, I the one in right field it's i same. like the the, the, the most because you're a little bit closer down the one in left field i usually sit in that upper section i, I think i think it's flipped yeah, i like
0: whatever. it i like it if you're if you're down closer to the the field but you can like, if you're right behind the outfielders, that's fun. Like fly fly balls being hit out towards you and and seeing them sprint after it. That is a good view right behind home plate. If you can get that type of seat um, for most of us, that's not a regular occurrence, Uh, but that is, that is fun to actually see the speed of the pitches and the the way they break. Yeah. I I got that.
1: that. I got that one time in my life. I got um, blue seats behind home plate back in old riverfront stadium. I think my uncle got them for me. Um, And it was, you weren't, too low you were just up high enough dead behind home plate almost like you had an umpire's view about two rows above the umpire if you will gary carter was catching for the expos actually that day and that that actually was was really cool but yeah i'm kind of with you i don't get that seat enough but for me in the in great american ballpark or even back in in uh, riverfront days if you got green outfield seats those were those were the best by far yeah
0: yeah i liked those uh so I, i would say out of the seats i actually sit in like i mean my favorite would probably be right behind home plate but the Field, seat I actually sit in Is I'm with you. It's got to be like right behind the wall in right field. Um, left field's not bad either. You're a little higher up though. Um, yeah. And then uh, what if you have to sit in the cheap seats up top? Where are you going if you're up at, at the very top?
1: Um, behind home
0: plate. Yeah, same here. You got to be within the infield yeah. to me so yeah. you can judge where the ball's going. If you're yes. out like – if you're down the line, you have no idea where any ball is no, going right. if it's in the air.
1: Yeah, correct. Um, I, I will say in GABP – There really aren't very many bad seats. I've sat in a lot of different spots. It's a really nice Um,
0: stadium. And they they do a good job of keeping it up to date and clean and all those things. Yep. Unlike their neighbors. Uh, Do you guys care at all about the basketball tournament? I
1: wish I could say yes, I don't. And and I think it goes back to something we talked about with with those leagues that always thought that I'm going to have a a league and a team in Cincinnati and bring back UK stars and UC stars and Xavier stars, and everybody's going to come watch them they just don't. Um, I mean, I would say this, if the basketball tournament somehow was the only thing going on at the time that it's going to be played, then I would probably watch, I mean, I watch that hokey three-on-three old man basketball at times. Um, I, I, I don't get hooked on it, but it's it's, it's campy enough, and, and it's it's got enough name recognition to occasionally make it interesting, but yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm I'm, not. I I don't even know who's in it this year. I know some teams have pulled out. I think West Virginia had a team have to pull out. Um, I can't remember who else. Somebody else, some other team pulled out. But no, I, 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 I'm I, not. Are you?
0: Isn't that funny? I thought when, like, they announced this uh, whole idea, everyone was like, oh, that's the best idea ever. Like, just pick up basketball teams playing for a million dollars. Yeah, winner, and, winner take all, right? Yeah, whoever the best players in the world are. And then it just, like, seemed like it, it kind of more became – you know, former college and pro guys who didn't work out, and it wasn't as much like I guess I I feel like you need more like street ball legends or something getting into the mix, like guys with some backstory that. And I don't know that that would make people care, but I think th- it needs a little more rawness instead of just like. I I don't I don't need to see Luke Fisher from Marquette play again. You know yeah, what, what I was, mean? Who, like who was, that's who not the to guy for
1: me. Who was Mark? What was Mark Jackson's brother? The big fat guy
0: that used to play. Oh on the, yeah, Escalade. 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 Yeah, I loved yeah. him.
1: Um, who was the white guy that was the dribbling? The machine? professor. The professor. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. You give me some of those guys. Yeah, I might watch that.
0: Right, right, exactly. And, and I don't even mean, like, the mixtape guys. I mean, like, you, the, the guys that you always hear about, oh, he would have been Michael Jordan if he wasn't a drug dealer. Right, guy, right. You know what I mean? Like, right. if they if they were found a way to get more guys like that involved, where it was just, like, the legendary guy who didn't get the opportunity but still kills at, like, whatever pro-am league in Rucker or something, yeah, that no, would yeah. be a, a lot of fun. And I just don't, we haven't really seen much of that. Um, But I do, like, I'll say if it's on, I will – I'll, I'll watch it, but I don't watch a lot of TV, so I don't really see that it's on. It's just kind of like one of those things where I happen to be sitting down and the TV's on and that's there. I don't mind watching it. It's fine to watch. I mean, it is fun to, like, occasionally see a name that you're like, oh, yeah, that, I remember that guy from Baylor or wherever, you know? Right, right. But I – yeah, I, And J.P. McKear will be playing in it, so there's a chance to, like, troll McCronin on live television on ESPN. <laughs> that's what he likes to do. So.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. No, I just – it just doesn't – it just doesn't intrigue me. And I think it's for, – for a lot of it is – um I think they they have that feeling that that you know like I said that Kentucky fans are going to watch old Kentucky they're just not I mean they're just not interested if they're not wearing they're not wearing the big blue they not caring it's
0: just i, I mean just to an extent i think this has had some success because it's been around for years now and it, it's all televised on the espn network so and like, it's still
1: it's still all systems go for this
0: year right 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 and so i mean they have achieved some level of success i mean yeah, some no, that, people you know, are right. watching it uh but it's just not enough to actually be on my radar and i'm shocked because i thought it would have been um I think it starts like July Fourth weekend. So I think that you know, sounds right. Yeah, it, it, I'll tell you this. It, I, can you bet on these games? I don't know. If if I can bet on these games, See, I that- might actually get down
1: that that always heightens the level of interest for everybody so yeah right. you're right about that i mean right. you know if you can bet on russian ping pong you can probably bet on this
0: yeah i would think so but i mean like legitimately i'm not going to like uh bet your mama.gov like, well, i want to go to an actual casino and yeah
1: something. it would have to yeah it would have to be the, you know, like a hollywood casino walking in and
0: and being able to to go to the kiosk and make the wager yeah yeah all right um uh, finally yeah, this one is, is a little bit off the wall uh, boys settle a debate for me and my buddies we were hanging out by the this is sorry this is like kind of broken up it's a little hard to read we were hanging out by the fire having drinks and one friend goes to make a trash run and comes back and said he saw a raccoon as big as my dog which hmm. is a 75 pound husky by the cans after laughing at him and telling him he's an idiot we got into an argument long story short do you think a normal guy, basically like yourselves, which we all are, could take down a raccoon that was as big as a 75-pound husky? Not a freaking
1: chance. <laughs> this is those, the dumbest
0: question of all time. I those, don't understand how things, anyone thought that's possible. Let,
1: let me tell you, uh, the, this is, man, 10 years ago, something like that. We have, a, we have two, two Shih Tzu, so they're not very big, right? Um, one of them 16 years old. She's still plugging along. This is probably 10 years ago. She was younger, and we have a, a deck that covers our patio. And we get bird nests under there almost every single year. And so this was at night and I must, it was me. I fed the dog, was going to let her out and, you know, let her go do it by herself. I don't need to go follow her out there. I do now because she's old and she can't see, but I mean, back then let her out. She knows how to come back, comes back to the door. You he let her in. So I open the door and let her out. And I look up at our deck for whatever reason and see these eyes just staring at me. And it was a raccoon. Yeah. I get I gathered that dog up so fast and ran back in the house like a scared child, dude. I wasn't letting my dog near it, and I sure as hell wasn't going to confront it. Those dudes have rabies, they're nasty and they're mean. They're freaking mean, man. Uh, they oh, are
0: with- They are very strong. Very strong upper bodies, arms. Um I, I don't I'm trying to I I'm assuming the guy came back said he he like jumped or something and i would have buddies, jumped and his buddies made fun of him and sure. then he said i would have taken him down or i don't know i'm trying to figure out how they got into an argument of whether or not because because a cause normal listen, guy could take down a 75 pound raccoon
1: there, there's always that guy i, I could i could have taken him where's he at oh he's gone now yeah you tell him to come back there's that either there's the one guy right there's yeah, that someone guy did right that like, yeah someone exactly. pulled that move and then uh, that starts the debate of no, you wouldn't You want to bet me. I, I, I could do it. And then of course, then the next guy goes, yeah, I could probably do it too. So yeah, I, it's, it's a good debate, but no, you ain't taking a raccoon. If you want to go ahead, you want to get rabies? You want to go get a rabies shot? Have fun with that friend. Uh,
0: it, it's just, they're way too quick and vicious for you to even really get a, a They're hold plain on. mean, yeah, man. And if you do, it's just ripping you to shreds um, to, to, to sort of, piggyback off your story as you know i'm not the most outdoorsy type and i'm uh, my, uh, you and me both bro early 20s when i had first moved out we had a cellar which housed our like hvac and all that um so it the the cellar doors there was a period of time where a raccoon came in and had babies inside oh, no. the cellar right and so we're hearing the sound underneath the house like some digging scratch we're like what the hell is that finally we figure out oh this raccoon we see the raccoon coming in and out she's had babies down there so that's that's what it is she's crawling all around in there and she goes out one day i see her go out so i go okay no problem i take a little bit of uh masking tape or duct tape just tape up not masking tape up packaging tape you know like you would for a, yeah, yeah. You know, to, a shipping box yeah. to tape the cellar door closed right, right. tape tape the cellar door closed because that's going to work and, and just for good measure i put a, a good sized rock on there and um that night i hear some some stuff going on i'm like what the hell someone breaking our house go down the cellar doors are the rock is gone the cellar doors are bent in half with the wood ripped at like a, a giant hole ripped out of the wood it had, fought, it had ripped and clawed its way. There was blood and and, and fur everywhere to get its way back into its babies. And then I was like, "Well, I guess you win. You get to live here until you guys are grown grownups." So. And I did. They just, <laughs> finally, I they just grew saying, up and they ran out. I saw them all leave one day and yeah, into the woods. They never came back. Yeah, no, that, 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 they've never. No, none, no other babies have been had in my. Thank goodness. I, no I was going at that, least that, by that, raccoons. That'll
1: show you how mean and vicious they are, man. She was getting
0: back to her babies no matter what, dude. Oh, I mean, like, this is not a a giant raccoon. It's a normal-sized raccoon. It wasn't 75 pounds. I put a a rock that had to be 25, 30 pounds on top of the doors along with the tape, and uh, she didn't care at all. All Right,
1: I've got got one. This, This was not an Ask Skinny Anything question, but I did see it on Twitter yesterday, and I think you probably did too. And I'll, I'll wrap up this, the, the, the podcast with this question because I thought it was an interesting one. If I could guarantee you that we would be coronavirus-free in 2021, if there was no sports played this year, if we just decided, you know what, we're canceling all of 2020, we'll start fresh in 2021 and coronavirus is gone, would you sign up for it?
0: And I guess the the other side of that question is we just have no no answer to what is going to happen or the way that's going to play out, right?
1: No, no, I'm saying that, that somehow, some way we're going to be coronavirus free starting right. in 2021. It's I, gone I'm gone. But,
0: but if I take the other option, there's no like, there's no certainties given about probably what, not how bad the coronavirus is going but, to affect but us I saw or, some, or if it'll eradicate at some point. I, I, think, I, I think I would do that. I, I think I would just because there's the possibility of us having some like crazy long-term shutdown that that could like with the second wave stuff that scares me. Like, I feel like we're going to be okay. This year will be played and we'll go forward more normally after that. But if you were going to guarantee me that starting on January first, it's just completely gone. No questions asked. I'd take that route.
1: I think I would too. But I, I did see some people answer that I, I that said I couldn't do without sports in 2020. Man, especially now that 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 it feels like it's coming back in some form. Right? That well, you feel it'd like. Be-
0: uh, It'd be tough, but look, I mean, we're halfway there, you know what I mean' That's,
1: like yeah, no, right, right. I, th- I think I'd sign up for that,
0: yeah, I, w- I would have to do it. If you're going to guarantee me that it's absolutely positively gone, no questions asked, I would I would make that trade, but only because of the the possibility that you know, I mean we could end up not playing sports in 2021 anyway right okay? I know I mean, right, like, right. We have no idea what's going to happen. And so uh, that that scares me more than the possibility of another five months without sports. Yeah, agreed. All right, Rick, any final thoughts? Uh, No, I I think you've got them all out of me. That's all I have to give today on this
1: Thursday. Stay away from raccoons, people. Stay safe and stay away from raccoons. Those are our two thoughts of the day. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back next week. It's the Skinny Podcast, the weekly poker edition.